I continue to, to push uh, when I'm not able to push a lot of times. I think that person's spirit and that person's desire to make an impact is working through me as well. This is Still Here, a podcast from WFAE that asks, what does resiliency look and feel like to you? And how have you felt and been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? Why me? Why is this happening to me? I always get to a point where, why is it? Why would it not happen to me? I'm just like everybody else. But I think I am equipped to get through it. What helped you overcome challenges you faced? And what did you do to cope? It's not a situation where I've bounced back once. I have to bounce back every single day. I'm Sarah D'Elia. In today's story, we hear from a Charlotte man who survived a double lung transplant and COVID-19. 57-year-old William McNeely lives by a simple rule. Never judge someone by how they look on the outside. So when I look at someone, I don't automatically think that they have it all together. That's because William knows firsthand that appearances can be deceiving. You couldn't see that my lungs were destroyed. And you can't see right now that I'm on all these immunosuppressants drugs all the time. On average, he takes about 30 pills every day. And they have an important job to do to help keep his body from rejecting his new lungs. But you'd never know that just by looking at him. In 2016, William was working in corporate America in the tech industry. He started to feel like something was off with his health. He was tired all the time, and he noticed his body was swelling in certain areas. Things came to a head when one morning, he couldn't catch his breath. Fortunately, that day I had a doctor's appointment as a checkup, and as I went in, (laughs) they looked at my oxygen level in my blood and said, no, you need to go to the hospital immediately. For the next three years, I carried oxygen tanks around Charlotte doing everything 24-7. Even on the football field while he helped coach his son's high school team. I would just take the oxygen tank into practice on the field, put it in the back of a golf cart, and keep going. William was diagnosed with pulmonary fibrosis. His lungs were deteriorating but he kept pushing on. In 2017, he got the idea for Do Greater Charlotte. It would later become an educational nonprofit that would bring technology-focused programs to underserved students. William grew up in Charlotte and wanted to make sure he was giving back to the community, even as it became harder and harder for him to breathe. Pulmonary fibrosis is one of those diseases incurable. End of 2019, it really came to a point where uh, there was only one option, and that was either... uh, continue to, uh, to deteriorate or, or uh, try the lung transplant. In February of 2019, William and his family moved to Durham, North Carolina, so he could undergo a double lung transplant at Duke Medical Center. He began an intense 21-session program that would mentally and physically prepare him for the operation. On the sixth or seventh session, his doctors pulled him aside, His condition had worsened, and they told him he had two weeks to find a new set of lungs. They worried he wouldn't be strong enough to survive the transplant, let alone find the right lungs that would fit his body. William saw their concern and met it with determination. The two-week scenario was like, okay, well, what are we going to do in two weeks? We've got two weeks to figure this out. Literally told the doctor that. I said, how are we going to deal with this? And he looked at me and said, uh, he said, well, I hadn't heard somebody react that way, uh, but uh, we think that we might be able, to fi- be able to find some lungs within that time frame. Usually, William says patients go through what's referred to as a dry run. 
you get a call that there might be the right lungs waiting for you. You head to the hospital, you spend hours and hours waiting, and then it turns out they're not a match. This can happen more than once. But William didn't have a dry run. A few days after his doctors told him he was running out of time, William was being prepped for surgery. The lungs were appropriate for my body style and my size and lung, and lung capacity and chest cavity, uh, which was unusual. Uh, it doesn't happen that quickly. There were literally people that had been on the waiting list for six to eight months. And here I am being told that I needed it and it happened within three days. Uh, and for me, I truly believe I have some divine intervention happening uh, that I got uh, transplanted that quickly. William spent about three weeks in the hospital and then several more weeks in rehab. Working on his balance after the transplant was important. He remembers staring down at his feet, trying to hold steady on a balance beam. He kept falling off. His physical therapist told him, you can't look down and expect to balance. You have to look up so you can see where you're going. He told William to look at a clock at the back of the room. And when I got home that day, I said, you know what, that's it. You can't focus on where you are and what position you're in at that time. You have to look at where you're going and what, what you're purposed to do and the impact you're going to make in the future. And that gets you past those dark times. That moment would stay with William, especially when he faced what would come next. After about four months away from home, the family moved back to Charlotte. Life post-transplant was good. He didn't have to lug oxygen tanks around anymore. He continued to talk about Do Greater Charlotte. A truck was purchased and turned into a mobile lab for students. This way, he could meet students right where they live. In March of 2020, he celebrated his first year post-transplant, but it also marked the start of the pandemic. The world had to adjust to a new normal, wearing masks and avoiding large groups, things that William was used to. The hard part was feeling like he was slipping back into isolation. That was somewhat difficult because I had just gained my freedom, just gained my, and what I mean by freedom, not only being able to go out without oxygen, but being able to breathe freely. But it was with good reason his doctors instructed him to stay inside. In the early days of the pandemic, with no vaccine in sight, his doctors worried if William went on a ventilator, that would be it. And it was tough on my family because my kids couldn't go outside, so they're coming home for the summer. They couldn't go out because they could bring infection into me. So when all the conversations were around, you know, thinking about those other people, that was me. In 2021, William got vaccinated and he cautiously started to venture outside more, like so many of us. Only William is different. He's at a greater risk for contracting COVID-19 even after being vaccinated because of his compromised immune system, which is what happened. Fortunately, because he was vaccinated, William says it was a mild case. But it did bring back a familiar sense of anxiety. After all he had been through with the transplant, now he had COVID-19, which he had successfully avoided for over a year. He went back to Duke, and his doctors were able to give him an infusion of antibodies to help his system fight off the disease. His positive attitude and determination probably helped too. It's what carried him through both the transplant and his COVID diagnosis. William is two years post-transplant, and he has the option to reach out to the family of the person who donated their lungs. There's a process to initiating this dialogue William will follow through Duke. If you could say anything to them today, what would you want to say to them? Whew, that's a tough one because, so you're going to make me cry. Whatever the circumstances around the death of that person, 
there was probably part of that person that had a, uh, that had a desire to make an impact because I feel that. Uh, this probably was a part of that individual who wanted to do things that they weren't doing at the time, uh, that they wanted to impact uh, into the lives of other people, and they didn't get a chance to do it. It's my responsibility now to do that. He likes to think that that person had the same energy and desire that he does to make positive change. That's what he hopes to tell their family one day. I'm Sarah D'Elia. This is Still Here. If you have a story idea for Still Here, email me at sdalia at wfae.org. Find me on Twitter at Sarah WFAE, and that's Sarah with an H. Still Here is produced and reported by me and edited by Greg Collard. Our theme music was composed and produced by Patrick Bowden and Patrick Lee. Together, they make Patrick Otto. Our really beautiful logo was made by Matthew Scott. Learn more about the series at wfae.org slash stillhere. Subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Still Here is powered by Ortho Carolina. Thanks for listening.